Hello, America. I'm Robert Reese, and welcome to the CEO Show. We're here today with Charles Gibb. How are you, Charles? Very well, thank you, Robert. Very well, indeed. And a pleasure to be with you. Charles is the CEO of North America of Fever Tree. Now, this is the leading mixer, really, in the world at the at the highest quality. Talk about what the brand really is. The brand, the brand has sort of started with this idea of how to make you know every drink taste better, and, and you do that by applying the same philosophy, the same mentality, and the same sourcing you know philosophies as as the pre, you know the premier wines and spirit brands, and particularly the spirit brands, and and our founders what they saw was they saw that there was a real gap in the market as spirits were premiumizing. Uh, people were talking more about ingredients. They were talking more about their natural sourcing. They talk endlessly about their distillation and their aging techniques. And then I, I always like to say then the last thing that happens to a great gin or a great vodka or a great rum, whiskey, bourbon, whatever it happens to be, is is a is a bartender squirts a whole load of high fructose corn syrup, artificial ingredients, and destroys the work of this amazing distiller. Um, and so our founders really saw this, there was a huge opportunity in the market to premiumize the mixer um, in the same way that premium, um, in the same way that premium spirits were growing at the time. And so their original product um, was launched in 2005, which was a tonic water, not surprisingly for two, two British guys. And um, since then, the business has expanded and grown um, into ginger beer, ginger ale, and now into grapefruits, and most recently now into margarita and Bloody Mary mixes. So we've really expanded beyond the, you know, simple tonic or origins to now being a total mixer business. And it's a really important thing. I, I had a friend, Dick Rutledge, and when we'd go out to drink, he'd only drink scotch. He'd carry his own ice cubes. And I said, well, you know, it's going to melt, Dick. And why are you doing that? He says, I'm not going to let their ice cubes water it down. And that's the same concept you have, really. A hundred percent. It's about, you know, we always say we make every drink taste better. It doesn't matter whether you're drinking, you know, Smirnoff, Absolute or Belvedere Vodka. Um, Fever Tree is going to make it taste better. And indeed, whilst I was running Belvedere Vodka, I always insisted that any event that we ran anywhere in the world, um, if Fever Tree was present in that market, then we had to use Fever Tree mixers because I knew our guests would then leave having had a fantastic drinking experience. And I think that is that sort of, I suppose that's actually how I came into this business and into this job was the fact that, you know, I tried it, I loved it, and I wasn't going to go back um, in my personal life. So why not come and see if we can make a difference, you know, professionally? Yeah, in, in a couple of minutes, we're going to talk about because you've been a global CEO numerous times and now you're shifting to be a CEO of North America. But let's stay on that original topic. We're talking about tonics. So I had the real privilege this last week of being at Highclere Castle um, and and was able to meet Lady Carnarvon, who was, uh, as you probably know, is absolutely spectacular. And so there we were all drinking High Clare gin. And I know the company very well. The, the, the founder, Adam, is amazing guy. And it's it's the highest of quality I've tasted. So talk about what you do 
in supplement because you used to be in the alcohol business and now you've shifted to be in the non-alcohol business and the ingredient business. Yeah, I think, you know, what we do is I always say we try and, you know, we we go back to that original vision. How do we make every drink taste better? And for the American consumer, that's very different to, let's say, a UK consumer. Your gin is prevalent everywhere across the UK. You think about British people, you think about the history of gin and tonic and and the, the role that that's played. And people talk about it being a, you know, a, a, a cornerstone of the British Empire and all the rest of it. Um, but today, you know, you know, my job is really to look at the American consumer. And what does the American consumer drink? They drink a lot of tequila. They drink a lot of bourbon. They drink a lot of scotch. They drink a lot of rum. Uh, they drink Canadian and Irish whiskeys. Um, they drink a bit of mezcal. And they also drink gin. Um, and obviously, vodka is prevalent right the way throughout. So, so our job is to really think about how do we how do we stimulate and excite the American consumer um, about about this brand. And you know, the way we've done that is to launch products specifically targeted against the likes of te tequila. And I'll talk about tequila because it's the hottest spirit in America over the last you know five years or so, and it's the one that's the most pre premiumized. So we look. So we launched, for example, a, a, a sparkling pink grapefruit to make the ideal low calorie sparkling Paloma drink. Um, we've launched a lime and a sparkling lime and yuzu um, to really target that ranch water, which is tequila and club soda with a big lime wedge stuck in there. But we've elevated that by adding some Japanese yuzu in there, um, and again making that drink more and more sophisticated. Um, and we just launched a sparkling Sicilian lemonade. And, and that's interesting because that mixes very well with vodka. So vodka and lemonade or with bourbon. And again, bourbon and lemonade is a big drink. And, and in both those cases, we've also launched them as low calorie drinks, which really fits into that consumer trend of looking for authenticity, looking for real ingredients, looking for products which are non-GMO, which fever tree is, but also wanting to control their calorie intake. And so we're able to actually, if you just use fever tree and a spirit, uh, you can actually make a delicious, you know, full tasting cocktail um, and, and it still hits under 100 calories. And if you look at what a lot of the beer companies talk about, they talk about under 100 calories in terms of their um, their drinking. So there's real kind of a deliberate focus on on how do we then go after the American consumer with what they're drinking and what they're after. Let's go back into that about what's hot. And I know you mentioned tequila. And years ago, I entered, um, interviewed J.P. DeJoria, who founded Patron. And back then, it was really hot. But I was not aware it is the hottest. But I do agree that people are doing a lot of mixes now. What would you say is is the hottest mix that you are seeing? And I know you'll do something that involves Fever Tree, of course. But... It seems like these are very authentic and they're going to be under 100 calories. What would you say the number one trending is that in the next three years is going to be the hottest in America? I think, I mean, what, what you see an awful lot, and I think, you know, there's there's been a few trends of late. You know, the mule trend, so ginger beer. Ginger beer starts with vodka, so you get a, you know, what used to be a Moscow mule um, or a vodka mule. And you've watched that mule expand into you know, tequila um, for a Jalisco mule, a Kentucky mule with bourbon, Irish mule with Irish whiskey. And you've watched this mule that started off as a vodka drink expand into a number of different occasions. 
Um, we've certainly seen, you know, the Paloma. Um, you know, the Margarita is still the number one cocktail in America. So, you know, in terms of scale and size, Margarita is huge. What is still growing very fast, I think, is Paloma. Um, and that's obviously introducing a grapefruit. But I think you'll see an awful lot of twists on, on Palomas. You know, my favorite one is is um, is actually using a bit of ginger beer and a bit of grapefruit. So I take the feet. I do a third, you know, a third, a third, a third, a third of te 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 tequila, a third of the ginger beer and a third of the sparkling pink grapefruit. And what I get then is I get those wonderful citrus characters coming in and I get the ginger beer coming in. Now, what you'll see is people will start to. Um, and as bartenders get more and more creative in and around the Paloma, they'll expand and, and, and they'll push that into different different areas. Um, and so I think that's that's where you're going to see certainly in the next couple of years, that's going to um, be, be very strong and very prevalent. I think the other thing is, you know, if you look at again, if you look at what's most trending, you know, the, you know, the vodka soda, the tequila soda. They're very simple drinks, but consumers love them. And they love them because, A, they, they get the taste of their spirit straight onto the palate. But secondarily, you know, there's very low low in calories. I think finding ways, and that's what we try to do here, finding ways to add a little bit of flavor, a little bit of personality, a little bit of extra taste actually makes those drinks even more delicious. And um, and by the way, I commend you. We're about to take commercial break. but But if you look at your growth, when you came in, you were number three in the spaces and you're number one in each of the spaces now in, in like tonics and ginger beer. So congratulations on that. We're taking a commercial break. When we're back with Charles Gibb, we're going to ask him a question about he's been a global CEO and he shifted over to being a North America. What drove that decision? Because it's a big decision line back in a few. Hi, this is Robert Reese, where we speak on the CEO show with the CEOs who have in, who have reinvented the fabric of America. We're here today with Charles Gibb, who is the CEO of North America Fever Tree. And so I want to ask you, you've been a global CEO. You've been for, I think, about three decades, a leader in the spirits. And you shifted from number one, from being global CEO to North America. So I thank you. You, you understand the power of our nation. <laughs> and number two is you shifted out of spirits into the complement and getting the highest quality of complement. What drove those decisions emotionally? I think um, I was running, um, I had the privilege and pleasure of running a Belvedere Vodka, which is part of the LVMH group of companies. Uh, and I've been running that business and brand for nine years. And I always used to describe myself as a as a Scotsman, um, you know, running a Polish vodka, working for a French company, um, living in New York, married to an Australian with two slightly confused children. And, <laughs> um, you know, I had a boss in Paris, a distillery in Poland, and Belvedere Vodka was on sale in 120 countries around the world, which meant that I wasn't home very much. And I, you know, um, I was I was missing out, frankly, on on my kids growing up. Um, I was spending an awful lot of time traveling um, and I was spending an awful lot of time out very late at night because the vod vodka business is a late night business, um, not a not an early evening business. And so that was one aspect of it. I think the other bit was, uh, you know, which is sort of the if you like the push side. 
and and certainly the pull side from the family was you know we really want to see more of our dad and uh, our husband and and then on the other side of it there you know i've always loved startup environments i loved um you know i, I was involved in a startup of diageo's business in poland i was involved in the startup of Mert hennessy's business in australia and here was the opportunity to start you know fever trees first ever global subsidiary here in the US and having worked obviously with the brand you know on the other side of the drink as it were um I had huge respect for the founders I had huge respect for the brand I had re huge respect for what they what they were trying to achieve and yet I could see that the brand wasn't yet in in a you know it, it, it still had a huge amount of growth to achieve here in the US market and so the the opportunity of starting a company from scratch, the opportunity of, um, if you like, limiting my geographic scope to, to only looking at uh, uh, North, North America versus being endlessly dragged around the world, um, the opportunity to be um, to be able to do something sort of fairly transformational in your career is always quite is quite a significant honor. And, and I, I feel I got that in Poland. Um, with Diageo, I got that in Australia when we set up Moa Hennessy Australia, and I really feel what is it five and a half years later? I'm really getting that with Fever Tree in North America. So, based on going through that, what advice do you have to entrepreneurs, to professionals about their career and about products? Um, I would say, don't be. I mean, you know, don't be afraid to change. You know, change course. I mean, I've changed course a couple of times. Um, I've I've always said whenever I mean, when I was younger I would always say I'm globally mobile because um, globally mobile essentially is a is a great way of saying to people I'm open to opportunity and without saying that I wouldn't have ended up in Poland um, I wouldn't have ended up living in Australia for for, for for nine years I wouldn't have met my wife as a result um, and I wouldn't have ended up here in living in the U S where I've been living now since what 2009 and I think that that Whatever your expression is for being open to change or open to new things um, is fundamental or has been has been certainly a cornerstone of my of my kind of belief in, in, in change and development. So, and you did something, Charles, really cool when you took over as CEO, you did this thing called a DNA document, which I haven't heard of before. I've interviewed over a thousand of top CEOs, never heard of the DNA document. Talk what that is and how CEOs could use something like that. Well, you know, we, we often talk about the DNA. You know, we talk about the DNA of a human being. We talk about the DNA of a brand. What are the fundamental things that make that brand tick? And when I was, you know, when we were launching Fever Tree North America, I, I, I sat down and I wrote, it's only on one slide, um, a few statements that I really wanted people uh, to embody, to embrace, uh, and that would become the the cornerstone of the culture of of our organization. And if you like, as opposed to being a this is our culture statement, this is a this is a statement of culture done through um, the personality of people that that and the type of organization I wanted you know, I want us to, to be, um, and some of the qualities therefore we 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 look for when we're recruiting people. And we use this DNA document still today to a reinforce the environment, the culture that we want um, to to have at Fever Tree North America, 
And secondarily, um, we use it a lot in our recruitment process. We're looking for people who are proud and passionate, but they're not arrogant because um, pride and passion can overspill into um, arrogance at time. Um, you know, we, we're looking for people who are confident yet humble uh, because confidence and humility should balance each, each other out. Um, I, I, I love talking about people who are incessantly curious because um, incessant curiosity for me drives innovation. Um, and if you look at our, you know, if I look at our founders, if I look at my boss who started the company, um, you know, he is insatiably curious. He's always asking questions. He's always trying to find out the new thing. He's always trying to um, interrogate things more, more deeply. Um, and, in, you know, incessant curiosity, yes, is about innovation and marketing, but it can be about supply chain or route to market or, um, you know, the way we act with our people. So um, we we wrote or I wrote that DNA doc, document, the leadership team have kind of tweaked it and adjusted it. But the core tenets of what, what we wrote in, you know, 2018 still still hold true today. I, I commend you on that. And when you talk about this incessant curiosity, you've reinvented yourself. You've become, I think it was very funny, tongue in cheek about being the ultimate global citizen there. Um, what's next for for Charles Gibb? What are you looking to accomplish most that's really driving you, keeping you up at night? I think um the thing that the thing that excites me is that we're on a we're on a great journey here in 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 North America, in the U.S. with with the Fever Tree brand. Um, you know, you mentioned earlier, but you know, we, you know, from a value perspective, we've taken value leadership in tonic water, upsetting you know the long-standing um, you know brand that has been in place there for you know probably 40, 50 years. Um, we've overtaken in value terms the number one gin, ginger beer. Um, but you know the excitement for me is that we've got an evolving, low-calorie, sparkling business that really talks much more to the U.S. consumer. So that I have to stop you for one second. What is the key with good tasting, low-calorie? Because it is definitely the trend I hear it, and then I've had some that are absolutely terrible. What is the secret to that? The secret for me is is goes back to ingredients, and it goes back to. Uh, so you can have um, great taste and zero calorie is very hard to achieve, particularly if you want to mix it with alcohol. Um, and what we find is that a little bit of sugar, for example, in our and the right type of sugar. So we'll never use high fructose corn syrup, for example. All our products either contain sort of natural sugar or fruit, fruit sugars. Um, and, and, and they're all classified as being non-GMO. So you've got, I'm going to call it good sugar in there, not bad sugar. Um, you've got the right amount that delivers, that, that allows the flavor of, let's say, a grapefruit to shine through. And then with that, that means it's strong enough and able to stand up next to the spirit and doesn't get destroyed by, by the spirit. So that when you're mixing, what, what you should taste is you should taste the spirit you're drinking and you should taste the the mixer that you're having it with. So, for example, if you're going to have a bourbon and cola, um, the the level of high fructose corn syrup and the fact that there's so many artificial ingredients in that will actually drown and kill so much of the alcohol flavor. 
what you're looking for in any drink, and any bartender will tell, tell you this, they're looking for balance in a cocktail. You want the spirit to shine and the consumer should always taste the spirit. And equally, they should taste the mixer. And the acid test is, do they want to have another one? Um, and so will they come back and order a second one? And how many times do you go to a bar and you have one drink and then you go, you know what? I'm, I'm a bit full of sugar after that. I'm not going to have another one. So this low calorie, good taste. You want things that are going to taste good because you're going to want to have them again, but you don't want them high calorie and tasting good because then you become almost sort of there's a there's a, there's too many negatives associated with that in the longer term. So, Charles, final question. What is the website, as I'm assuming a lot of people will want to find out about it? Sure. Uh, it's www.fever-tree.com. Could have guessed that. Well, Charles, I want to congratulate you on your tremendous success going from number three to number one on your career transfer and being in a truly exciting market at the right time. A great pleasure speaking with you today. Likewise. Thank you so much, Robert. Really enjoyed it.